Welcome to Don't Retire Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and today I get to interview in our BFG studios in the worldwide headquarters here in Lutherville, Maryland, one of our principals, my partner and, and dear friend, Yanni Niebuhr. Yanni, welcome to the show. Eric, thanks for having me. Yanni's got some very exciting things uh, going on, not only in his life and in his practice and in his world, but here at the firm, we're doing some new things that are, I, I really think, going to change uh, change the game and play into the Don't Retire, Graduate um, uh, mission. So, Yanni, tell us a little bit about this financial planning for all concept and, and what we're going to do with it. Sure. Well, this is near and dear to my heart. Um, I never grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. My parents were a public school teacher and a police officer, both in Baltimore City. So watching them growing up, they, for lack of a better word, struggled financially. It was one of those things where in high school, I was blessed to have a car, but when I floored it, it got 45 miles per hour. So it was a little bit of a tough time going through growing up. And then watching them as I went through high school and those things and went on to college, you know, I wanted to go to a large university, but it was 45 grand a year. And I watched my parents panic and freak out trying to figure out how to pay for that. So I went up at a community college, then went on to a public institution. But it created this idea in my head that for most people, they can't afford to do the things that they big in, that you go on and see in movies and those type of things where, you know, they go into the large institutions and there's no ramifications from that. So with this, it was an idea from a young age that I wanted to be in finance to help the average everyday American. It's, it's um, a misnomer, I think, Yanni, that mm-hmm. um, financial planning is only for the rich. Exactly. Um, and, and, and some of that has been um, perpetrated by the traditional media. Some of it's been perpetrated by politics. Um, this idea that if you're doing financial planning, you must be a wealthy person. And quite frankly, the industry hasn't done any favors because there are plenty of firms and organizations out there who say, we won't talk to you unless you have X dollars. I'm not going to name anybody, but there's some big names out there and you can look at them and they say, oh, if you have this much money, we'd love to talk to you. Well, that's great. Help me get to that much money, and then and and then I'll stay with you, right? So, what does it mean uh, to to do planning for folks at different stages of their financial lives? How do how does the planning differ? How does the work mm-hmm. differ? Um, and, and and how do you make sure the deliverables are relevant across generations? I know that's like a three sure. point three part question. No, it's, it's it's a multiple point question. But I mean, the industry as a whole, as you said, has created its own problem, and it's become generational. I mean. First off, you look at it from the educational standpoint. I remember what a Pythagorean theorem is or how to talk about photosynthesis. I haven't really had to do either of those things growing up. But talking about compounding interest and how to balance a checkbook, those things were not done at the public school level or even in school in general. And the financial industry really hasn't taken the approach to then come in and help even recent graduates. And how do you do those things? How do you make decisions before you get into college? Well, you know, looking back at it and saying, well, $45,000, I'll deal with that in, you know, four years. That at compounding interest, that's 200 grand. Eh, you know what? That's four years from now. I really don't need to worry about it. So we're looking to create various different types of products and programs saying, you know, we'll have podcasts, we'll have books, we'll have online learning and tools in that way for the younger generation that maybe can't afford larger, more in-depth planning. And then you'll have more of a broad-based but tailored version for people right out of school starting their first jobs. And then, of course, there's more of the white glove version for someone that maybe is more affluent or later in life with larger portfolio assets that needs more complicated planning. So uh, one of the things about Don't Retire, Graduate that uh, has been the most fun is that now the book is out. 
Um, it, it, it took three years uh, uh, and a whole lot of people to pull together, but it's out. And the way the book is structured, it's structured to be a, a college curriculum. So you start as a freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior, and so forth. And the freshman year really is designed to be um, basic tools, debt management, cash management, early risk management, choosing your first employee benefits. You know, HR departments aren't allowed to help you. They can say, here's your stuff. Here's the 100-page packet to read. Good luck. We need this by Thursday. But they, there's no place to get advice on that. Um, and I think young people are hesitant to go to their parents' advisors, even if the advisors say, sure, come on in. I get a sense they might feel patronized a little bit, no? No, oh, absolutely so. so. First off, I mean, most of them are feeling like their parents' advisor is truly their parents' advisor not someone that's advocating for them. And so it's, it's creating this issue. And now they're seeing, you know, the online versions of that. So they're going and looking at robo-advisors and those pieces, which again, is more tailored to large masses and not specifically to them and the issues that revolve around specifically them, which is one of the ways we're able to then move it and say, well, how can we be more tailored to you? So a couple of resources are coming out and I, you know, it's been fun because we've been able to engage, you know, Yanni's one of the old guys in our office now in his 30s it's depressing um, to realize that <laughs> well hey hey listen it, it gets worse let me tell you um but we have some we have some even younger professionals here who are now filming um a new vlog that's going to come out that's designed specifically for the millennial audience our audience at drg here is is uh, a little bit older um in in general um though we certainly speak to all adult learners and the book was written for all adult learners um i i do think there's there's a, a millennial to millennial connection um, or even a Gen Z to Gen Z connection that, that certainly I, I, I'm not the right voice for that. So we have some young people shooting vlogs, doing video. It's very creative. It's a whole lot of fun. Um, and we've just taken on a new project here um, on a pro bono basis with Junior Achievement where we're going to be filming a financial literacy course aimed at high schoolers. Um, using a couple of our um, younger advisors. Let's talk about that because you mentioned briefly that you don't learn that in school. It, it's not going to be taught in school. And if it is, it's not going to be taught well. Um, so talk a little bit about that video and sort of what's coming down the pike and, and how we're going to use that. Sure. Well, the number one point there was using our younger advisors for it because it's more relative to the people watching it. So it's saying, all right, well, if I have someone, unfortunately, as you said, in my 30s now, it's I'm no longer relevant to them. So it's having people that just went through it and have just experienced these things that seem more relevant and you know more like the people that they're actually watching the videos. And they're talking about the various pieces. You know, what is credit card debt? How does that work? Compounding interest, you know, looking at your student loans and how you should pay those back. I had a conversation with someone this morning about it. Well, how should I do my student loans and how should I pay that back? Should I do the top tier one first? Should I lump them all together and just pay it and just go it is? And so it's those things that are specific to the younger generation. Um, there was a great article that came out the other day talking about someone in 1965. They were a firefighter making $1,000 a year and their first house cost them roughly 10 grand. Well, now that same house is worth $650,000 and the equivalent to do that and then the same income was almost over $200,000. You know, things have changed over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so the advice and the planning needs to as well. So uh, we're going to reach out to the high school population. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is going to be fun. There's actually a huge virtual event uh, coming in the spring of 21. 
course, everything's virtual right now, sadly. But but uh, there is an event. We're going to put that out through Junior Achievement and, and hope that it, uh, it catches on, um, not just for the eastern shore of Maryland where it's launching, but but hopefully uh, nationwide and beyond. Um, and that's going to be a free resource. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, of course, this podcast, the vlog that uh, our associate Cody Niedermeyer is, is hosting. Um, that uh, is going to be a free resource. And then we have the book and the workbook is almost done. We're in, we're in um, post-production now. And the workbook's designed to be um, 21 exercises that can lead you from financial literacy to financial freedom. So my question to you, I'm going to put you on the spot because why not? You're, sure. in, you're in my studio now, sir. Um, if, if someone has this, this book, this, this, um, uh, this workbook, this blueprint, and uh, access to a, a computer and algorithms and so forth, why do they need you? Why do they need me? Because, again, while those will get you the steps you need and the tools you need to get to a specific spot, I, I liken it to – and unfortunately, I'm using your own analogy here, and I hate that I'm actually giving you credit for something. <laughs> but again, those things, while helpful, and they're meant for broad-based financial help, it's like a hospital gown. It fits everybody, but it fits no one well. And so while that will help you get to a certain point, the reason why you need someone that specifically knows your plan and the play that you want to make is because there's always going to be an audible that you're going to have happen, you know, whether you want kids, whether you don't, whether you have that various debt, whether all of a sudden you say, you know what, I'd really like a beach house one day. How do I get to those type of things? How do I specifically, or you know what, unfortunately, there's been a pandemic and I just got furloughed from my job. So how do I make those changes? And those are things that, you know, a pandemic's probably not in the workbook because it's something that no one saw coming. But here we can make those changes and as things in life progresses. Um, picturing anyone in a hospital gown is not my favorite <laughs> thing to do. Um, so let's shift. Let's talk about it like a trainer in the gym. Mm-hmm. Because, I, and of course, during the pandemic, a lot of people aren't going to gyms. And so trainers have gone online too. And you have, sure. you have you know, technology and the, and the courses and the apps and all these kinds of things, just like you have in, in personal finance. Um, but I still get the sense that there are two benefits to having a personal trainer that are not as easy to um, necessarily measure. One of which is accountability. Mm-hmm. Holding it, your feet to a fire is so important. Oh my gosh, if, if I have an appointment with a trainer or somebody like that, I will show up. And if I don't, I will find six reasons to sit on the couch and eat chips instead. Yeah, no, I just got a Peloton myself. And the fact that there is a class schedule for me that I know I'm going to show up to at five o'clock in the morning, if that was not there, then there is no shot I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to do that class. So, so you have the accountability piece. Um, the, the other piece you have, I think, is I, I think you have the behavioral piece, the mm-hmm. psychology of it, um, you know, and whether it's a, a system like the one you just talked about or whether it's something that's one on one, you're measuring yourself against yourself. And there's there's a certain degree of keeping score. Well, financially, that's the same. The difference is you can ask a total stranger, how much do you bench or or how fast is your mile? You're never going to ask them how much money do you make or what's in your checking account? We just don't talk that way about people. So finance is such a mystery. It's like saying, how's your, how's your cholesterol? Like, mm-hmm. we just don't have those conversations, maybe at home, maybe. You know, Mom, dad, I'm worried about you. How's your, how's your heart? That's, that's a loving thing, but you're, you're not going to walk up to somebody in the next office and say, you know, tell me about your blood sugar level. Right. It's talking about personal finance, even at the home level, is still taboo for most people. So talking about it in the larger generation or a larger spectrum of the social confines of this country or even, you know, even at work, you're not going to do it. So what are the tools and resources that can be leveraged 
to reach um, what I, I'm not even going to call the mass affluent, but to, to reach um, folks uh, in a position where they, they know they want some planning, they know they want some accountability. You know, maybe they can't um, afford or shouldn't have mm-hmm. to go back to the personal trainer. They don't need the same personal trainer that someone in Hollywood might have, you know, eight hours a day. But they might want some some resource or some um, accountability in some other way. What are the tools that we can use in financial planning to bring this to folks, not necessarily because they're younger, mm-hmm. but just because they're just getting started in whatever way, however old they are? Sure. Um, there are far more tools now more than ever that are data-driven, that are electronic-driven, where you know there might be some homework on the front end to set everything up, to build it, to make it so that just like um, – my generation, the millennial generation, likes to have everything automated. You know, everything's on a monthly subscription type based plan where you set it, you forget it, and those type of things. You don't have to deal with it on an ongoing basis because we're busy. Um, you can do things like that with these versions of planning where you can link the accounts, link the various pieces of information where they're set, they're designed, they're created. And then from there, as things change, as life happens, we're able to then go in and see it live. Um, it's more dynamic instead of stagnant in that standpoint, and in which our generation, even the ones before us, appreciate. So you often hear there's an app for that. Mm-hmm. How do we incorporate um, those kinds of tools? Because so many of them are either created by robos or they're considered um, a big company offering or a high tech offering. How do you how do you incorporate the mobile piece so that your your the the phone that you carry that no one even thinks of as a phone anymore? Um, so that the the device you carry with you at all times can connect you to the things you need to be connected to. What what exists in a firm that's an independent firm? Um, well, I mean, there is an app for that that you can use that will link all of those pieces there. And it's essentially data aggregation where you can go in and pull bank accounts, 401ks, um, Roth investments, things that you have outside, and even some of your mortgages and um of your larger loans and those pieces, student loans, et cetera, that'll pull it data aggregate it all together that allows you to then see essentially your financial world in one place. That's the benefit of 2020 going into 2021, but then it's understanding what that means and then how do you tactically establish what your goals are and what you want to do. And that's whether it's paying down debt, whether it's starting to establish plans for your child to go into college or whether it's saying, well, how do I get myself to graduation? I love that. You, you, um, you used our nomenclature, and we're very happy for that. Um, the graduation looks different for everybody, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and um, for some, you know, retirement in a traditional sense means putting your feet up and watching daytime television and playing shuffleboard. And I'd, I'd, I'd rather not. It sounds dreadful. It sounds miserable. Um, I don't think millennials are going to do that. And frankly, I don't even think boomers are going to do that. You, you mentioned that millennials were busy. And as a Gen Xer, I, I kind of take offense to that because I feel pretty busy. <laughs> so uh, we might be a small generation, but we're feisty and we have a chip on our shoulders. So there's that. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I do think there's some, some truth to that. Um, I don't think boomers are going to retire like the greatest generation did. I, I know they're leaving the traditional workforce um, although a lot of times it's begrudging. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because of a medical issue. Sometimes it's because of the industry they're in. You know, we have, we have folks we've represented who have forced retirements based on what they do or who their employer is, which you'd think wouldn't be allowed, but I guess none of us want a 93-year-old airline pilot. So I, I guess there's some of that. Um, how do you 
how do you work, particularly with younger people, how do you get them to see a day um, when perhaps they won't want to be operating at the same clip or at the same intensity level that they are now? Do you think that's a normal, natural thing, or do you think that, that that's a, a thing of the past as well? Well, actually, what I've been finding with the younger generation is that they want to be at that level, but a lot earlier than what we've seen in previous generations. But it's more independent in the fact that they're working for themselves and creating income streams and sources that are dependent solely on themselves and not a larger entity to pay them a monthly or biweekly paycheck. So millennials know they're free agents. Yes. You know, Gen, Gen Xers um, have figured it out. Um, boomers never really had to do that, although plenty are consulting now and, and I think thriving. There's kind of a K-shape there. We've talked about K-shape recoveries as a result of COVID and the pandemic and so forth, but I think there's also a, a K-shape when it comes to boomers. There are some who can leave their full-time job and go out and do consulting and charge an outrageous amount per hour, and they're making gobs of money now from their beach condo. And there are other folks who had to leave the workforce and they, they really are struggling and they, they haven't put away enough of a nest egg. They still were from a position where they believed in their pension, some of which are now gone or at risk, um, or Social Security, which was never meant to retire people in full. Do you think that, that now we've finally reached that tipping point where people realize that they are free agents and that they, um, they have to find something not only to, to make a living, but to make a life and uh, you know is that have we have are we there I, I think we are i think people are starting to realize that they're truly on their own for a lot of this i mean pensions in the private sector just essentially don't exist anymore and a lot of public pensions now are struggling to make ends meet um and then you look at social security in a sense as you alluded it's you know was never meant to be what it is and it's woefully underfunded and has a lot of issues coming up that they're going to have to be dealt with so that essentially means that people in retirement are going to have to rely solely on themselves. And unfortunately, based on all the statistics that you've seen, that retirement accounts, they're just woefully underfunded for the individual. So figuring out what you can do even in retirement to make additional income, whether it's you know working for yourself and doing consulting or doing some version of something that will make you additional income, blogging, vlogging, those type of things is going to be all the more important because I think the average millennial now, they said, was roughly about three years is when they expected them to change jobs on a given time. So they're truly free agents. You're a millennial. You're not changing jobs, are you? We can talk after this. This, <laughs> this isn't, you're not resigning, are you? All right. Um, so so let's, let's talk a little bit about um, how, um, how age specifically um, is, is a difficult thing to wrap your head around. Because, you know, when I, was, when I was 23 years old, 40 sounded very, very old. And now it sounds awfully young. I look at you, I'm like, look at these kids. Um, and yet I now look at somebody 65, 70 years old and think they're awfully young. They got a, a good long run in front of them, let's hope. Um, and I wouldn't have said that 20 years ago. I thought, oh, that's a, a very old person. And some of it is because we are living better and we are healthier and people do take better care of themselves, I think. Um, how do you get young people to say, okay, I understand the long game. I have time on my side. I understand the exponential and geometric growth from time value of money. And I'm willing to put something away that I can't touch for mm, 35 years. It's tough and you perfectly hit the nail on the head. You know, it's it doesn't come right away because at a young age you feel invincible. You feel like you have the whole life ahead of you. And so it's tough from that standpoint to say, all right, well, here's where you need to be looking 40, 50, 60 years down the line. 
And particularly right now, as I mentioned before, when there are so many more pressing needs, um, we're seeing that those younger generations leave the house at a later time um, from you know staying with their parents because rent is expensive. It's now become a, a two-income society in a lot of those spaces. Incomes have not gone up. Debt has gone up dramatically. So it's trying to figure out, well, not only the short term, how do you get through those first pieces, but then also make sure that you're taking care of yourself long-term down the lines. And a lot of that has to see because they're seeing it with the older generations now being pushed out and not be ready for retirement themselves that they're realizing at a sooner clip that they have to. So for, for our listeners, what is the call to action? What is the, what is the first thing that our listeners ought to do right now as a result of, of, of this conversation if there were an extra credit assignment? And, and you know, we're not at the end of the show yet, so it, it's a little premature. Sure. But, but at the end of the day, let's, let's focus because I, I do think there has to be a trigger event. Mm-hmm. And let's hope it's not the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job or, the, the, or a health issue or any of the tragic things that, that happen in life. What can we do to create a mental trigger event where people say, it's time, I got to do this? Um, to create a mental trigger event? Um, a lot of that just comes to taking stock in your world and understanding what's going on. And a lot of that's happening right now already for almost everyone because of what's going on and happening. So much volatility, not only as society, but in your jobs and your income. So many people were furloughed where they didn't realize that they were truly living paycheck to paycheck. It's looking at your, your cash flow and saying, all right, well, here's what I was living on before. And, the, and so I'm talking to so many clients this year. And they're saying, wow, my cash balances are up so much compared to what they were. And it's realizing because I'm not doing all the stuff that I really didn't need to do before and spend it. And they're losing all those expenses that they had before and they're building. I'm saying, wow, I feel more fulfilled than ever so that when I eventually get back to the world is more of a normal place that I can go enjoy it a little bit, but I'm more appreciative of it. So the call to action that I would say is just taking stock of where you are in the world and understanding where you're truly spending your money. What is the best way to do that? Is it software? Is it an app? Is it uh, pen and paper? Is it um, is it just looking at bank statements? What what are the best? What's the best practice for figuring out what you're really spending? Uh, in my personal opinion, it's it's software and, and those pieces because it's far more simple than pen and paper or looking at statements. I I still don't understand in 2020 why some statements are still as complicated as they are. They don't need to be, and larger institutions and big banks not picking on them, but just still haven't figured that out. Um, but there is software now that exists where you don't have to look at the everyday you know, expense saying, all right, I spent this much at McDonald's and this much at Starbucks. You can if you want. And some people want to know exactly what that is. But it tells you, you know, how much you spent eating out, how much you spent on the various um, subscription surgeons that you have. You see a lot more people where well, they cut the cord to cable, but now they have seven different streaming services. You know, Netflix just raised their prices again yesterday. So those things keep getting more and more expensive. But it'll allow you to figure those things out. But it takes you 10 seconds instead of 10 hours because all you're doing is putting your passwords and your entries in one specific spot. So the call to action today, if someone says, you know, gosh, Yanni, it, it sounds good and it, it's all well and good that, that you're planning to work with folks who maybe aren't the, uh, the super wealthy and all of that. And maybe financial planning isn't only for the rich, but it sounds like a lot of work. What do I have to do? I'm a prospective client. What do I have to do um, what do I have to provide? How, how much of a heavy lift is it for me to to explore this? Uh, the heavy lift isn't actually that truly that heavy a lift. Um, we made it so that it's more of a data questionnaire online that can be filled out in as little as 30 minutes. It's pretty simple to do. Um, so most of the work truly, honestly, in the beginning is on your end, collecting some documents that we'll find in those pieces. 
But after that fact, a lot of that it's on the advisor side, creating the plan, creating the ideas, and then putting that plan into motion. So a lot of that is simply going on, going through a questionnaire that's meant to be cumbersome in a sense to make sure we capture everything in your financial world. But at the same time, it would be far simpler than going in and trying to do it yourself. Very good. And if, if I'm a listener and I'm thinking, you know, this would be perfect for my son or daughter, is that something that, that is an appropriate um, gift or an appropriate push? Or do you see a lot of people saying, I really want my, my, um, my kids to be financially independent far better than I was, and, and I'd like to provide this for them? Is it, is it a reasonable thing to do as a, as a, a gift? 100%. I wish I had started doing this earlier. I wish my parents had started talking about finances in the household earlier and going through those type of things. And the cost itself is the equivalent of what cable is on a monthly sp space. So it's not expensive to do these type of things. And it can make all the difference if you're starting in your early 20s compared to if you're starting in your 30s or 40s. Well, uh, I, I, Yanni, I appreciate you being on the show. It is, um, it is truly... Um, I think it's truly groundbreaking to be going in the exact opposite direction of the industry. The industry is going toward wealthier and wealthier and wealthier people. Um, and the fact that your, um, your family and your upbringing and your um, passion for helping people has led you to um, going in exactly the opposite direction and finding a solution that um, working people and working families and couples um, can wrap their hands around. I, I think it's fantastic. And, um, you know, anecdotally, I know it's also been extremely popular. So maybe you are busy as a millennial. Just a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you're not too busy to take an influx of, uh, of phone calls or inquiries, because I, I think there are going to be a lot of people who want uh, want to work with you and your team and, and the things that you're doing. I think it's going to transform some lives and some families in all the right ways. I love doing this. That's why I got into this industry, and I'm excited to talk to them. For all our listeners, please subscribe to our podcast and post comments and reviews. Don't Retire, Graduate is a book available in print, Kindle, and audio formats. For more information or to order your copy, go to brotmanmedia.com books or search for my name on amazon.com. To learn more about BFG Financial Advisors, visit us on social media or at bfgfa.com. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Broughton, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us begin visualizing our dreams and building our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website at don'tretiregraduate.com to subscribe. And please like us and post comments on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you 
and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.